Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. It's indeed an honor to be with you today. It's been a while since I've had um, the opportunity to come to you by video. And this morning, I get the honor of actually starting a little mini-series called Foundations of Everyday Discipleship. Now, what I'm hoping to do today is redeem the word discipleship, because I don't know what you think of when you hear the word discipleship or the root word discipline. There's lots of things that come to my mind that don't accurately describe truly the honor it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But I want to start off today by saying this. I bring you good news of great joy that, that is for all the people. And you might just say, oh my gosh, Jeff, we just finished that season. It's not Christmas anymore. You're wrong. For the follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus is someone we celebrate every day. So in essence, Christmas is today, and Christmas is every day, and Christmas is every moment, because we not only celebrate his birth, but we celebrate his life, we celebrate his death, and we celebrate his resurrection, because he is our risen Lord, and in him is our hope. And Grace, can I encourage you? This news is far better than any of us really know. Would you be kind enough to join me as I pray for our time? Father God, I come before you this morning acknowledge I have nothing to offer in and of myself. As a matter of fact, this vessel that you've entrusted to me called my body is tired. But Lord, you never grow weary and you are never tired. So we bow before you now and we ask in the name of Jesus that you would speak through me to the hearts and minds of your people. That Lord, you would be glorified. And that we better understand what a deep honor and joy it is to follow you as your disciples. We pray this all in the precious name of the one who gave everything, the name of Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen. Well, last week, Pastor Ben did an incredible job of guiding us to understand some things from the book of Ephesians that the Apostle Paul was saying to us. And in way of review, I'm going to dig right into that same scripture just for a moment. So we have a starting place for what it means to be a disciple, because Paul had a lot to say about discipleship. Let's listen to Ephesians 4, 7 through 12, and then ongoing. But to each one, uh, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That is discipleship. Now we're going to talk a little bit, he's going to go on and talk a little bit about the goal of discipleship until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full measure or the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Pastor Ben told us last week that what we long for here at Grace is for all of us together to experience the fullness of Jesus Christ together. And in that fullness comes things like unity and the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God that we would become mature to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Listen, 
then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming stop. Listen to me carefully. In the last couple of years, as we've navigated unprecedented things, the things we have never faced in our entire lifetimes, things like pandemics and political divisiveness that we have never experienced before, can I tell you what breaks my heart more than anything? Is to see some of us who know and love Jesus Christ being blown back and forth and tossed about by the winds and actually taken by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Listen to me. We never trust in politicians. We never trust in the ways of this world. But you and I, we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. So many people thought, oh, there's conspiracy theories. Don't you know that there is a conspiracy? It's called evil. And Satan hates your guts. He hates my guts and he longs to derail the kingdom of God. He wants to undermine the movement. And how does he want to do that? By lying to you and getting under your skin. This is a time for us to grow in unprecedented ways. And many of us have actually grown deeper in our faith with Christ as a result of all this suffering and all this struggle and all the confusion. I can tell you this by the grace of God, I have and I want more of Jesus. I hope you do too. Because he says, instead of all that confusion, instead of all that being blown about by the wind and every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming, he says, instead of that, speaking the truth in love, in love, circle that word, highlight that word, underline that word, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Listen to me. Guiding hermeneutic, that's the the word that is throughout the scripture that guides everything and informs everything else is this. God is love. And God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you, that you now have a relationship with him by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You are now deeply loved. You are fully pleasing. You are totally forgiven. You are accepted and complete in Christ Jesus. If you've accepted him into your heart, you are now a child of the most high God. You've been redeemed, which means you've been bought back. You've been adopted. And now you're an heir with Christ. Like in this, this news, when we get it into our hearts, rather than just in our heads, when we get it into our hearts, it changes everything about the way we live. You see, for him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as every part does it work. Now, we want to experience the fullness of Jesus Christ at Grace Fellowship Church and, of course, the church global. I looked at this word, the fullness of Christ, and I found that just one chapter earlier in a prayer that Paul prayed. Now, this prayer is one of my favorite prayers, and I love to pray the word of God. If you don't pray the word of God, I want to encourage you to do that. But this prayer uses the word, the fullness of God. 
that phrases well. This is what we're longing for here at Grace Fellowship Church. Jesus, we don't want just a part of you. Jesus, we don't want just half of you. Jesus, we want the fullness of you and the fullness of your Holy Spirit to be working in and through us that you would be glorified right here on earth as it is in heaven. Can I ask you, are you longing for the fullness of Jesus? Look, if you're not, it's because you don't know him well enough. I gotta be honest with you. He is the one you are looking for. And he is the answer to every question you've ever asked. And he is the answer for every deep longing you've ever had in your heart. He is the one. So listen to what Paul says. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom is every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that, look, you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Listen to what Paul is saying to us. He's praying for you and I back thousands of years ago saying, God, help them to understand how much you love them. For if they do, they will be changed. And they will experience the fullness of you in them. And that love will come to them and it will move through them and it will overflow that you would be glorified right here on earth as it is in heaven. He goes on to say, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Stop. Here's the truth. You cannot be a disciple on your own. You cannot will yourself to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You cannot will yourself to grow spiritually. You can't do it. And that's a beautiful liberating freedom when I know I can't do this walk. Listen to me. Jesus Christ gave his life to you. So he gave his life for you, so he could give his life to you, so he could live his life through you. The primary action that you and I need to take in order to become disciples of Jesus Christ is one of surrender. We need to let go of our ways and we need to follow him. For he is our rabbi, he is our teacher, he is our Lord, he is the one that we chase after. And you wouldn't be chasing after him if he wasn't chasing after you. That's the grace of God. Now according to his power that's at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever. Amen. Now listen to me. I first of all want you to understand that this is God's desire for you. This is the message that you would understand how much God loves you. That you would let that love in, that it would come to you and it would fill your heart and that it would move through you. That other people would come to know his love through you. And that you would point up in such a way that he would be glorified and more and more people would come to Christ Jesus. That's the message. And that's what being a disciple is all about. It's not about this grueling work that's religion. Religion is hard. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why did he say that? Well, first of all, it's true. Second of all, the religion of the day 
was burdening people. Jesus went to the Pharisees and the scribes and he says, you, you take one man and you make him a disciple twice as fit for hell as you are yourselves. You want to take off a religious person, you say stuff like that to them. He said things like this, you, bur- you heap burdens on people's backs that you can't even bear yourself. Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free. He said, I've come to give you life and life to the fullest. He longs for you to be freed from the burden of religion and from the burden of this world. Now, look, I'm not telling you that when you come to him, life won't hurt. That's a lie. I'm not telling you that when you come to him and trust him, that life won't be a struggle. That's a lie. Because he said, in this world, you will have great trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. You see, when we let the gospel get into our hearts, we understand that there is a peace for us that surpasses all understanding, that comes from knowing the love of God and our new identity in him. We are children of the most high God. And this news is far better than you and I know. I want to encourage you also to consider praying this prayer for other people you know. Um, This season has been tough on many of us, and I have some dear friends that are really in hard places even today. I have a buddy named Bob Haynes who's been hospitalized for well over a month with COVID and he's on a vent and I've been praying for Bob and I've been praying for our brother Tree Curran and I've been praying for other people, of course my family, my dear wife and my children. I've been praying for the leadership of Grace here, Pastor Ben and Pastor Mark and, and Chris. I've been praying for other people and this prayer is a prayer that I've been praying. I go before my Lord and I say, Tracy, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family on heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in your heart, Tracy. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how high and long and wide and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses your ability to know it, that you would be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. You see, I'm praying this prayer for my precious bride. Why? Because she needs God way more than she needs me. She needs Jesus more than she needs anything else in her life. And truth be told, when I pray this prayer for her, I feel like there's something really spiritual happening. That that when God speaks through me in such ways in the spirit, he's actually visiting that person. So while I haven't been able to go into the hospital and be with some of my friends in body, I'm there with them in spirit. Why? Because the spirit is speaking through me to cry out to God for them. I want to encourage you. To think is this prayer is a prayer that's being prayed to you, but then a prayer is being prayed through you. Then you'll begin to better understand what God longs for you to understand, which is to know his love that surpasses your ability to know it. So hopefully I've made a case for redeeming the word discipleship. I want to point out to you that Jesus himself uses the word disciple, and we're going to look at a few of those examples. Here's one that's very, very popular. To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, then you are truly my disciples. So listen, here's a a partial definition. If you hold to my teaching, you are truly my disciples. He says, hold to my teaching. Well, we'll talk about what that means in a second. Then you will know the truth 
and the truth will set you free. Remember, lies cause bondage in our lives, but truth brings freedom. Lies come from the evil one who speaks lies. This is is his native language. He doesn't do anything but lie, but God cannot lie. He speaks truth. And Jesus said, if you, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now he was saying this to some religious people, by the way, and they're really hard people to listen to things that Jesus said. And they answered him in a very offended way. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. You know, how can you say that we shall be set free? Now Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, whenever Jesus says that, you gotta listen. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What's he saying to them? He's saying, come to me and I will make you a son by my blood. Not by any works that you, not by any acts of righteousness. Your righteousness is like filthy rags for all of us. But I will make you a son because I will buy you back. And it is by my blood that if you come to me, by my grace and through your faith, you will become a son and you will be free forever. You see, this message is for those of us who know we are slaves. Apart from Jesus, I would be a slave to sin. But because of him in my life, I am free by the grace of God. And listen to my definition of discipleship, actually in just a few minutes, I'm gonna give you this first. Here's another word from Jesus. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. A lot of people might think, well, he's gonna say, by this, everyone will know you're my disciples and that you have a bunch of scripture memorized or that you do a lot of religious things or that you kind of go out and do these acts of charity and that you do this and you do that. He just says it very simply. He says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples and that you love one another period. The definitive mark of a disciple of Jesus Christ is love. So if you want to evaluate your discipleship, body of Christ, don't think about how much time you spend in the word. That's a really good thing. That's definitely part of your discipleship, but don't think of just about that. Don't just think about how much time you're spending in the church building or how much time you're doing this or doing that. Ask yourself the question, am I loving the people closest to me the way that God loves me? Am I accepting the people closest to me the way that God accepts me? Am I forgiving the people closest to me the way that God forgives me? Listen to me, loved people love people. Can you say that after me? Loved people love people. We're gonna try it one more time because I don't know how this is working on video, but I'm gonna count to three. One, two, three. Loved people love people. Forgiven people Forgive people. Accepted people, accept people. This is the way it works. You cannot give what you do not have. But let me tell you something. If you know the love of Christ, the more you give it away, the more it comes back to you. That's called sowing and reaping. Let me tell you something. If you're stuck in your walk, go outside and do something for your neighbor that you wouldn't normally do. Actually, you know what? Go Do it at the breakfast table. Maybe you're a husband who never picks up the dishes. Pick up the dishes and wash them. Your wife will have a heart attack. But here's the truth. I'm telling you, if you get outside of yourself and you love someone the way that God loves you, if you forgive them, if you accept them the way that God forgives and accepts you, you will now be a conduit of the kingdom of God. 
God wants to set you free from your self-absorption. He's doing a lot of that in my life. Can I tell you something? He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And if you trust that love, it really will move through you in such a way that your life will be different. You know, religious people were asking Jesus Christ uh, what the greatest command was. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says this powerful thing. This sums up all the law and all the prophets. You want to get it? Love the Lord God. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying this very profound yet simple thing. It's all about love. Life is all about relationships and life is all about love. Now, some of us have a really warped sense of what love is. So I'm not going to have time to get into that today. But I do want to tell you this, that you can look to the scripture and you can see how Jesus loves. And the definitive mark of your discipleship is how well you love. Don't buy anything anybody else is selling out there. It's just not true. There's a lot of religious people that are extremely hateful. There's a lot of people who know the scriptures that have a hardened heart. You've got to look at the scripture holistically and see in Revelation it says in these times, the end times, and I don't know if we're in them, but I'll tell you this, we're closer to them than ever before. It says this, for the love of many will grow cold, period. So I'm trying to help you understand something. Don't buy the religious lies. You are deeply loved, fully pleasing, totally forgiven, accepted, and complete in Christ. Now go and do likewise. This is the definitive mark of our discipleship. So I'm going to give you a little um, definition. If you have cell phones, this might be a time to snap a picture uh, of the screen, not of me. (laughs) A Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, I had to laugh at that a little bit. Please don't take my picture. The Holy Spirit-powered life of dependence, discipline, and obedience. Stop. It's a Holy Spirit-powered life. You can't be a disciple in and of yourself. It has to be the Holy Spirit accomplishing his work in and through you. It's a surrender to the Holy Spirit. That's why I say dependence. We surrender to him. It is discipline. It is obedience. But that discipline and obedience lines up with God's work in us that connects with God. It's about a relationship. Look, we just spent a whole year in the book of John talking about learning to be with Jesus, to be in relationship with him. It's all about relationship that connects with and receives from God, receives from God. Look, I got to be honest with you. I don't have a whole lot to give God. All I can do is give him this dried up little heart that I had in my chest many, many years ago. And these, these sins that were as filthy as rags. Now, look, I know I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and so are you, but I didn't have much to offer God at all. Truth be told, I needed him in my life. And he said, Jeff, just open your hands and I will fill them. Open your heart and I will fill them. So look, we need to receive from God the gospel, the good news every day. This is why we're talking about everyday discipleship. Why? Because we want to posture ourselves under the waterfall of God's grace every day and receive from him his love and kindness and patience and joy and hope. You see, this is the gospel, letting the love and grace that comes to us then flow through us, that more would know Jesus and that God would be glorified right here on earth as it is in heaven. We want to experience the full life flow of Jesus Christ. We want that life flow to come to us and then move through us that he would be glorified.
It's that simple. Now look, how many of you have ever been very thirsty? I'm not talking about just, oh, I haven't had a drink like in a couple hours. I'm going to grab a bottle of water here because I'm talking about being thirsty. I'm getting thirsty. So I'm talking about dry, parched. I'm talking like your, your mouth is filled with sand kind of parched. Like you've been in a desert for like days or weeks or months and you just can't wait to get some of this water. Some of you may be feeling thirsty now. I'm going to take a drink. Oh, man, that is so good. But see, I wasn't all that thirsty. I made myself more thirsty by talking about it. But I got to be honest with you. I am super thirsty for God. So think about this. You're in this desert. You're walking. You're so parched. Your, your mouth is filled with sand. You can't wait to get some water. And someone comes up to you and offers you a thimble full. Well, of course, you'll take it. But is it satisfying? Well, of course not, because it's just a little bit. But then somebody comes and maybe offers you a little bit more. Maybe this time it's a shot glass full and you're going to take that and you're going to put it down. But it's still not enough for you. Can I be honest with you? You and I are so thirsty for God. And you know what he offers us is a waterfall. He offers us an ocean of his love. He offers us more than you could ever ask or imagine. And you know what we're often doing in our mornings? We're doing this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I really appreciate that. And we're just wetting our tongues. No, I want more for you than just to survive. I want you to thrive. I want you to get in the pool of my love and I want you to stay in it. I want you to be immersed in my love. I want you to actually let it envelop you. I want you to be fully satisfied in me. But we can't do this if we just spend a little bit of time with Jesus here and a little bit of time with Jesus here and we don't actually seek him. Now look, again, I want to say it's not us that's doing this. It's God who's doing this. But there is a way that our will lines up with his will. And he longs for us to come to him. In James it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James has already said he's already near. All he's saying is as you, as you open yourself up to him, his grace will be poured into your life on a day-by-day -day basis. And then you will grow over time more and more confident in Christ. And then you will walk in such a way that you know his love and life and you actually understand what it means to be used by him in profound and powerful ways. You and I need the gospel every day. Letting the love and grace of God come to us and then flow through us that more would know Jesus and that God would be glorified. Now look, I'm going to show you today what's called the six streams or the tradition of the church of Jesus Christ. Now these streams can be applied in your life personally, but they also are applied to us together. This is a we and also a me. So it's your I and then it's our us together. And so these traditions are explained much more fully in a book called Streams of Living Water by a man named Richard Foster. He's one of my favorite authors. He wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline. If I gave someone the Bible and one other book to help them understand what it meant to grow to be like Jesus, it would be Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. I want to tell you, though, this book, Streams of Living Water, helped me to understand the church in a way that I had not done previously. Now, we're going to talk about six streams or six expressions of Jesus in his fullness. All six of them together are the fullness of Christ in his church. 
What Richard says is that most kingdom expressions or most churches camp around one or two of these things to the exclusion of others. And this is why we don't have maturity often in the body of Christ because we think we have them compartmentalized. Well, God's like this, but somebody says, no, he's like this. And we say, no, he's like this. And then we divide and he's like all of that. You see, God cannot be contained by us. And so I'm going to start with the evangelical. Actually, what I'll do is I'll read through all six and then I'll go back. So the evangelical is the word-centered life. The charismatic is the spirit-filled life. The social justice is the compassionate life. The contemplative is the prayer-filled life or the monastic tradition. The holiness is the virtuous life. And the incarnational is the community-based life. So let's start by thinking about how each one of a people who's immersed in this stream would worship during a worship song. Shall we do that? So, you know, we come to church and we, re- we sing worship songs. And the evangelical is focused on learning and making sure that the word is exegeted correctly. The evangelical is is focused on reaching people for Christ and and actually making sure that the word, that we're properly grounded in the word. And that's very important. The evangelical, though, on a humorous note, might be worshiping on a Sunday morning, yes, by holding their hands up, but they're listening to the words of the song and they're checking them out with the scripture and saying, is this biblical? Like reckless love. Like they'll look at that song and they'll actually go, is this biblical that it would be? And see, that's a good thing to check out the words of the songs. Sometimes we make mistakes in this, but it's a really good thing to do that. Now I'm going to go on to the charismatic. The charismatic is, is, is interested in experiencing God, wanting to have the Holy Spirit work in and through them. And so if the evangelical is worshiping like this, the charismatic is worshiping like this, man. They are dancing and jumping. How many of you are charismatics out there? Go ahead and do a little bit of this for me. Yeah, I'm watching from back there. I'm watching from back there. But you can do this and raise this. Charismatics, they want to experience the fullness of the Spirit-filled life. So the charismatics, they have manifestation focus, right? The gift of tongues, the gift of healing, miracles, these kinds of things. They're not contained to that, just like the evangelical is not contained by the word focus. But this is central to each of these expressions. The social justice movement, that tradition can be best exemplified by our dream center here at Grace Fellowship Church. When this person's listening to a song, they're wanting to be motivated to go out and do something for the poor for the least of these, for orphans and widows. See, this person is actually motivated by being the hands and feet of Jesus. And unfortunately, they look critically upon other people who aren't doing the same things. This is how we divide. So we have the evangelical, we have the charismatic, we have the social justice. The next three I'm going to talk about, I believe to be central to the work that Jesus wants us to do moving forward. The contemplative is the prayer-filled life. And many of you go, well, I I pray a lot. I'm not talking about this prayer here. This is in the monastic tradition. So the contemplative person embraces disciplines like silence and solitude. A contemplative person might come back and utter in very gentle words, I just completed a seven-day silent retreat. (laughs) Some of you are going, myself included. I don't know if I can go seven minutes in peace silence. This is the tradition in which we embrace God speaking to us in a still, small voice. And we're able to actually be in silence with him. Now look, if you don't have silence in your life, you're missing out on a lot. It's not just silence in your life, but it's silence in here. 
Some of us can sit in a space by ourselves, but we're never quiet in here. God can teach us to be quiet inside so that we can hear him. For prayer is really not even 50% talking, probably not even 30% talking, maybe not even 20% talking, but it's most certainly the majority listening. So if you're someone who prays and talks a lot, but you don't listen, you're missing out on the relationship God has for you. That's the contemplative. Now we're going to focus on the holiness today. That's the virtuous life. Holiness people have something specifically to say to us. And we believe this is central to how God would move us forward as a body in the next season of grace. The incarnational is the community-based life. That's a life that we live in community. Some people define this differently, but this is the way I'm defining it today. It's the life where we rely on Jesus manifesting himself in and through each other. You are, in a sense, an incarnation. Do you know what Christian means? It means a little Christ. So Jesus lives in you, and Jesus lives in me. And when we come together, Jesus expresses himself more fully through us together than he could alone. That's the incarnational life. Now, I want you to understand that these first three, the evangelical, the charismatic, and the social justice, predominantly, and again, I'm not trying to like, you know, pass judgment, predominantly they focus on externals. They focus on learning, on manifestation, on doing, scripture, signs of wonder, signs and wonders, acts of mercy and justice, where these other three, they're internal. They focus on being and knowing and changing, meditation, silence, moral integrity, repentance, and community. I want to focus on these two things. In the holiness tradition, which we're going to look at in just a moment, these people want you to know two things. They want you to know, first of all, how much God loves you. We've talked about that today. They want you to know the depth of God's love and forgiveness and to take his hand. And the second thing they want you to do is walk straight into the depth of your own depravity and sin. Jeff, why would I want to do something like that? Well, apart from God's grace, you wouldn't want to. But here's the truth. When you walk into your sinfulness, you will understand God's grace to a much greater extent than ever before. Because he who's been forgiven much, loves much. Not only that, but you'll know how to trust Jesus more in those inner places of depravity. You invite him into rooms of your heart that you have not previously done so. And he will set you free in whatever ways that you could never ask or imagine. But I I can guarantee you this is going to scare you a bit. It's also going to hurt some. It's a struggle. I've been doing this work again now, very, very focused work in the holiness tradition with the context of the, the incarnational, which is in community. That's what confessional community is about. And the contemplative. And can I tell you that my life is radically different today than it was just three months ago. I'm going to tell you some ways that it is in just a few moments. But the evangelical, charismatic, and social justice, they're the primary focus of the North American church, where we're talking now about a new movement of God's grace, a wave that is through Grace Fellowship Church, but it's for the region and even the world. And it's called confessional community and everyday discipleship. And the focus of these things is contemplative, holiness, and incarnational. You can think about it this way. Holiness at the top. God says, be holy as I am holy. And then contemplative and incarnational at the two sides. So it's kind of like a triangle. And we're trusting God to actually guide a movement of holiness amongst us. Now, this is not in place of the other three, but it's in addition to the other three. Why? Why? Because we want the fullness 
of Christ. We want the fullness of Jesus. So I'm going to look a little bit with you at the holiness tradition. And I want, you to, I want to point out two streams of the holiness tradition in the church. One is John Wesley and Methodism. And the other one is a little group called the Oxford Group that was started by a Lutheran pastor in New York City named Frank Buckman. He started this around 1910, 1920 it started seeing it. And we had revival in New York City where tens of thousands of people were coming to Christ. Can I ask you a question? Does New York City need that now? <laughs> Oh my gosh, let's pray together, right? So what happened was under Frank, God spoke to him and then he started forming small groups of people. And in those small groups of people, they practiced the disciplines of confession and testimony. And in those small groups, a guy who had a drinking problem came to one of those small groups and he was miraculously healed from his drinking problem. His name was Abby Thatcher. He came to Christ there and he was healed of his drinking problem. Then he met a guy named Bill Wilson, who is often referred to as Bill W. And he invited Bill Wilson to come to the Oxford group with him. Bill Wilson came to Christ. He also had a conversion experience and stopped drinking. And out of the six tenets of the Oxford group, Bill W. and Ebby Thatcher started the 12-step fellowships, which is called Alcoholics Anonymous. Now we know today the AA meetings don't focus on Jesus, unfortunately but the original ones did. And can I tell you something? Many 12-step fellowships are walking in the holiness tradition where many churches are not. And folks, we want that to change. So by the grace of God, I've been working along with Jill Previs, who's an amazing teammate, and others to train 80 to 90 people through these last several months in confessional leadership. And now we're giving birth to confessional communities that in three weeks or so, we're going to invite you to join us in these things. Now, some of them you can come to person to, but many of them you'll be able to get into Zoom rooms with. And, and believe me, I've been in Zoom rooms for these things for the last three months. It's been amazing. So we're just asking you to give it a try, and we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. But I want to point out to you that Wesley, in Methodism, wanted the classes, that's groups of people, to represent a cross-section of Methodism. So we're shifting now from the Oxford group to Methodism. This is back in the 1700s. And he had small groups called bands and classes. And he wanted to provide for believers a place where they accepted all various social backgrounds. So he wanted a, a, a drunk and a homeless person to be able to sit with a doctor or a lawyer. He wanted God to break down all those social distinctions. Now listen, the leaders would share honestly about their failures, sins, temptations, and inner battles. This is holiness stuff. His pastors would start, and they would share about their sinfulness, their failures, their temptations, and their inner battles, and they were role models for other people. Class meetings revolved around the personal experience, not necessarily doctrine or just biblical information, but perfect love was the goal of the class meetings. I'm going to read to you some things that came from a document that was drawn up by John Wesley in 1738 on Christmas Day. The design of our meeting is to obey that command of God. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. To this end, we intend to meet once a week at least. Now, by the way, when I read these rules, don't get frightened. This is not the approach that we're taking. We're going to take a far more gentle approach to this, a far more structured approach to this. And if you come to confessional community, nobody's going to ask you any questions. And you don't have to say a word. No one will ask you to speak and no one will call on you. 
We're just trusting the spirit of God to work in and through you if you want to bring. But your presence in confessional community is a gift to the whole of the community. But I want to show you how serious these people were about holiness. So to meet once a week at least, here's my charge to you. In three weeks from now, get at least in one confessional community once a week. I think if you start attending one, you might join more. But come to at least one. You come punctually at the hour appointed without some extraordinary reason. Make sure we start on time and on time. To begin, those of us who are present at exactly with the hour with singing or prayer, to speak each of us in order freely and plainly the true state of our souls with the sins we had committed in thought, word, or deed and temptations we had felt since our last meeting. Stop. So it's your turn in a Wesley small group meeting. And you're going to share all of the sins you have committed in thought, word, or deed since last week. Go. <laughs> How's that feel? Let me ask you a question. How many of you would like your thoughts from the last week projected up here on the screens for everybody to see? Any takers? See, this is my point. The point is, is it's leveling the, the playing field at the ground of the cross. The foot of the cross is indeed level. None of us would want this. Why? Because we know inherently that we're broken and sinful people. So to end every meeting with prayer suited to the state of each person present and to desire some person among us to speak his own state first and then to ask the rest in order as many and searching questions as may be concerning their state sins and temptation. So in the Wesley confessional community, you would confess your sins and then people would ask you questions. You would ask them questions and they would search out your heart. Again, we won't do it that way, but I'm just trying to show you how serious these folks were about their sin. Some of the questions proposed to everyone before he or she was admitted. This is before they even got into the groups. And again, we will take a far more gentle approach than this. But the first one is, have you the forgiveness of sins, right? Focusing on the love of God. Do you understand that Jesus died for you and forgave everything? Have you peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ? Praise the Lord. Have you the witness of God's spirit with your spirit that you are a child of God? Do you hear it? They're, they're wanting to know, do you know how much God loves you? Listen to number four. Is the love of God shed abroad in your heart? It's just like taking flowers and throwing them all across the lake, not just in one quarter, but is the love of God shed abroad in your heart? Do you know how much he loves you? Do you know how much he accepts you? Do you know how much he forgives you? Now, we're going to get into the depth of depravity. Has no sin, inward or outward, dominion over you? Number six, do you desire to be told of your faults? This is a very important question. Do you really want to know your sins? Listen, do you desire, and seven, do you desire to be told of all your faults? That plain and simple. They ask the question twice for a reason. Why? Because James says we can deceive ourselves as well as we deceive other people. So listen, Jeff, do you really want to be told about your sins? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. All right, I'll wait a minute. Jeff, I'm going to ask you again. Do you really want to be told about your sins you see if you can say yes to that it's only by the grace of God number eight do you desire that every one of us would tell you from time to time whatsoever is in our heart concerning you consider exclamation mark do you desire we should tell you whatsoever we think whatsoever we fear whatsoever we hear concerning you again notice the redundance Ten, do you desire that in doing this we should come as close to the bottom, that we should cut to the quick and search your heart to the bottom? Wow. 
11. Is it your desire and design to be on this in all occasions entirely open? So as to speak everything that is in your heart without exception, without disguise, and without reserve. These folks were really seriousness, serious about looking at their sin. Any of the preceding questions may be asked as often on occasion as the others. These four were asked at every meeting. What known sins have you committed since our last meeting? Confession. What temptations have you met with? How were you delivered? That's testimony. And what have you thought, said, or done of which you doubt whether it be sin or not? This is really funny. So is there anything that you're questioning whether it's sin? Tell us what it was and we'll tell you whether it's sinful. You see, folks, there's two dynamics at work here. This is an example of the holiness tradition of the church. The first one is shared confession. When we come together, we're honest about the true state of our souls. It doesn't mean we have to share everything. Yes, there's appropriate places to share things that you wouldn't share necessarily in a group. That's true. But shared confession brings acceptance to people because when other people come into the community and I can show that human part of me that's still broken and still struggling, they go, oh, I'm safe here. I'm like these people. I can relate to this. But when we share deliverance, stories of deliverance, we share testimony, and that's hope. When I tell you how I've been delivered, now you have hope that you can be delivered too. You see, this is where we see confession and testimony coming together. We have a gift for you today. After the services, you will be getting one of these books, one per household, Um, Right now, we're giving one per household. If we have more left after that, then we'll be able to give them to individuals. But for now, we're giving one per household. And this will get us on the same page every day this year. It's called New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp. And this is a foundational piece that we're using in confessional communities. So, of course, we're using the Word of God. And we're using two devotionals right now. This one and Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. These are very different, both very beautiful, but very, very different. And this is the one we're focusing on now. Now, Tracy and I had been reading this every night together. Um, Actually, just let me back up a little bit. We've, Tracy, I asked her permission to share this today. About a month ago, we were struggling in our marriage. Um, We weren't liking each other too much. Actually, it's a little more over a month ago, maybe a couple months ago, but we, we had been in a, just, I don't know, ditch for a couple months, and it just wasn't working. And I'm sure some of you who have been married can relate to this, but we were really, really struggling. And by the grace of God, we started seeking some counsel together. And for the last, I don't know, maybe month, we've been sitting on our couch in the evening and reading, not watching the TV, but reading. Now, again, our habit was not a whole lot of TV, but we would watch a show or something, and then we would go to bed and we'd mow around and all that stuff. Now we're reading the Word of God. Now we're doing this. Now we're doing an incredible book together called Experiencing Heaven. If you haven't read it, you've got to read it. And now we're doing a book called How We Love. And we will sit on our couch sometimes and read three hours together out loud. And God is bringing conviction to our hearts together. Can I tell you something? We've been sobbing together in a beautiful way. We've been confessing our sins to each other in a beautiful way. Can I tell you what Jesus is doing? He's cleansing us. He's restoring. He's giving hope to us again. I've been married for 30 years to this precious woman, almost. And can I tell you, marriage is hard. You put two broken, sinful people together in a lifelong relationship, you're going to get some stuff. But can I tell you something? God is greater than that stuff. And can I tell you that he's actually transforming us once again? 
So I'm going to read a little confessional um, share with you today. We really think this book is in line with the holiness movement that we're trusting the Lord. And so I'm going to read from December 16th. This is one that we just read recently in confessional communities. And I'm going to read this to you. It's futile to try and establish your own sovereignty. People don't want you as their king. (laughs) I have to laugh at that. And God won't forsake his holy throne. Now, most of us wouldn't say we're God, but we sure act like it. It's futile to try and establish your own sovereignty. People don't want you as their king, and God won't forsake his holy throne. Listen to what um, Paul says. I often give way to the fantasy that I have the wisdom, the power, and the character to control people, places, and things in my life that seem to be out of control. I insert myself in the center and I make it all about me. That's confession. But I don't have the right, the power, or the need to control because you, God, have every situation, every location, and every person under your wise control. You rule over all things for my sake and for your glory. So once again, you call me to surrender control and rest in your sovereign care. That's testimony. You see, confession brings acceptance, but testimony brings hope. And when we're in confessional community together and when we're just walking throughout life, we need to trust Jesus to balance these two things in our lives. I want to point to the end game here in Revelation. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb, that's Jesus Christ himself, and by the word of their testimony. Listen, God could have chose to couple anything with the blood of the lamb. And you know what he said? We overcome Satan by the blood of Jesus and by the power of our Jesus stories. The blood of Jesus and our Jesus stories defeat Satan. So our goal for this next season is Grace Fellowship Church is to mobilize an army of storytellers for the glory of God. Storytellers that tell the story of their weaknesses and God's strength that God might be glorified and that Satan himself would be pushed back back for certainly the gates of hell will never prevail against Jesus and his church. So in way of closing, I have some homework for you today. First of all, I want you to grab your devotional. I'd like you to start actually trying to do it every day. Just read it. Pray around it. We'll all be on the same page. This is, you know, hundreds of people all on the same page together. Be praying the same things together. Be actually hearing from the Lord on the same page. Praise the Lord. We've never done this at Grace Fellowship Church before. So I want you to do that. And this little phrase, you will receive along with what we call the declaration and promises. You'll receive that on the way out today too. I'm going to ask you to say this aloud with me today. And I'm going to wait, give you a little bit of time to look at it. And we're going to start and we're going to say it together. Now, I think there's a couple of slides. So you're going to say this first one. And then we're going to say the second one together as well. You ready? Here we go. I have great worth apart from my performance because Jesus Christ gave his life for me and therefore imparted great value to me. I am deeply loved, fully pleasing, totally forgiven, accepted, and complete in Christ. I am 
a child of God. Because of justification, I am completely forgiven and fully pleasing to God. I no longer have to fear failure. Because of reconciliation, I am totally accepted by God. I no longer have to fear rejection. Because Jesus died for me, I am deeply loved by God. I no longer have to fear punishment, nor do I have to punish others. And because of regeneration, I have been made brand new, complete in Christ. I no longer need to experience the pain of shame. Listen to me, children of God. That is good news. And if you let that good news get from your head down into your heart, your life will be changed. So pray this every day. Go to Paul's prayer about the love of God and trust him to recreate you because he is the master of Genesis. New beginnings. And you can have one with him starting today. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your grace that has been poured out us on, on us in more than sufficient measure. I thank you that you, Lord, know our thirst and hunger for you, and you don't long just for us to have a taste, but you want us to have the fullness of you. So we bow before you now, and we commit this entire season to you. And we ask simply that your will will be done, that your kingdom will come right here in our midst as it is in heaven. We do pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. God bless you, Grace Fellowship Church. I look forward to being with you again next week. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.